It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 25th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. We've now hit kind of the dead point of the NBA season. I think I've said that on several podcasts now. As most of the Magic's offseason moves are done, in fact, they've kind of said said so publicly, even though they've made a few trades, a few minor trades on the periphery, uh, and the roster is probably what it's going to be entering training camp, and now we just have to kill the time until September. But it is a good time to kind of step back and reflect on what the Magic did this summer, and so we bring in our good friend Stuart Hodge in once again. Stuart, how's your summer been, man? Yeah, it's been good. Actually, normally the Scottish summer's a couple of days, but this, <laughs> it's, it's been different this summer. We've actually had searing sunshine a good few times. Um, I'm just wondering what we're going to do for the next couple of months, man. As you've said, it's got to that period in the season where it all kind of dies down a bit. So hopefully we can go over some of the stuff and, you know, get get ourselves excited, even if there is a bit of a wait before the action kicks back in. Yeah, no, and don't don't worry. We'll have plenty of stuff to get to here on Locked On Magic. We may scale back the frequency of episodes a little bit, but uh, we'll 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 talk about Magic history. We've got Grant Hill's Hall of Fame induction coming up. We'll do. Uh, I'll be doing my series on on uh, uh, ranking several players in, uh, in Magic history uh, coming up in August. So we'll we'll kill the time. Don't worry. Uh, training <laughs> camp will be here before you know it, but. I know that, that you have a couple questions for me to kind of wrap up this offseason and get us thinking a little bit about, about the regular season. So uh, what's, what's kind of the big issue that, that, that you see with this team right now? Well, in, in terms of big issues, I think it's just how patient we're going to have to be here. Uh, it could be another season around the 25 win mark, or we might be pleasantly surprised and creep up over 30. But... I think there's some moves the Magic could have made in terms of trying to get us towards sneaking into maybe the 7th or 8th seed. 
Um, if they'd gone in a different direction, Isaiah Thomas, which I might touch upon later, could have provided maybe some sort of opportunity to, to at least try and do that. Um, but I, I think there's been quite a lot of change, and I think it's going to be another case of just sort of buckling down and maybe another hard season, but the future is definitely looking brighter. We've got some real emerging stars, I think, now, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it all. But first thing I want to ask you about, man, is the new head coach. It seems like a logical place to start. And we've been here a few times before in recent years, but you get the feeling now with Steve Clifford coming in, this is one that we're, we're, we're going to try and use this guy to, to get the culture really implemented and, and get an identity for the team, which it's been in flux for so long that having someone that you think, right, he's going to take command now, it's, it's a real positive. So it's someone we know as well. It's someone who's been about the franchise before. Would he have been your first choice, though, given who was perhaps available for us? Yeah, it was definitely an interesting decision. I think a lot of fans um, saw it a little bit as a step, kind of not step to the side or, or, or kind of a lateral move in, in switching out Frank Vogel for Steve Clifford. Um, it, it's you know it's really hard to say. I, I, I think I said this a lot when it came to evaluating assistant coaches, and you, you just don't really know how a coach is going to play out. Uh, you don't know what whether what he says is going to stick. We all thought Frank Vogel was the best coach available at the time and thought he was the guy to continue what Scott Skiles did and take the team to the next level. Um, it, it, it'd be easy to say the same thing about Steve Clifford, although I think there's some legitimate uh, complaints or concerns about what he did in Charlotte. Personally, I was always a fan of what he did in Charlotte. I, I don't know what your impressions were of him, but he took over a team that won 21 games, turned them into a perennial playoff contender, and frankly, that's where the Magic need to be right now. They need someone who's going to establish a culture and he's and Clifford at least has proven that he can do that. And so I think from that perspective, this is a good hire. I thought I thought he was one of the better coaches available on the market, but I'm a lot higher on Steve Clifford than a lot of people are. Um, but you, you just never know. I mean, this could work. It could not. It's it it, it who knows. <laughs> yeah, it's that is that great sort of I mean, I think the intangibles with coaches are something that's sometimes forgot about. Everyone thinks of the intangibles when it comes to players on the roster. But with coaches, there's so many factors. I mean, he obviously had the leave of absence due to stress last year, but I think some of the noises coming from him have been really encouraging. Uh, he said that he's learned that he has to wind down a bit. And actually having the coach taking care of their body and their mind and, and spirituality or whatever, <laughs> I think all of that stuff is just as important as it is for a player. And I get the feeling that he seems reinvigorated by the challenge at the Magic. It, it does seem to be something that he's really bought into here. And I think arguably, I mean, Kemba Walker being the, the obvious exception, I think he's got a few pieces here and a bit more variety to work with. Uh, and perhaps a team that's more in keeping with the, the kind of identity that he's good at implementing as a coach, which I think is perhaps why the, the front office went for him. Uh, but Reading between the, the sound bites and, and what's come out, what was it you think swayed uh, Hammond and Weltman towards Steve Clifford? You know, I think a lot of it is the work that he did in Charlotte. Um, I have I, I, I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. I, I really respected what the Charlotte Hornets did. Um, I really liked what the Charlotte Hornets did uh, and think that they... They, they underperformed, obviously, record-wise. But if you look at their statistics, over the last two years, they played like a 500 basketball team. 
They had a lot of bad injury luck. They had a lot of bad late game luck. And that's the difference between finishing with 41, 42, 43 wins and finishing with 36 wins like they did. They, the Hornets the last two years essentially had probably the two worst case scenario seasons that they could have. Um, it's, it, it's definitely, it, it's, it, it wins definitely matter. And, and so don't put it past that, but organizations matter too. And, and I've always, again, respected what the Hornets did, but at the same time, they didn't really have all their ducks in a row either. I mean, they, they hit on some decent yeah. draft picks. They got Frank Kaminsky. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is a solid role player. They never really got that star. They were kind of always searching for someone to pair with Kimball Walker. Nicholas Batum didn't really work out and kind of then hamstrung their cap room. Um, they had a lot of kind of organizational, not fluctuation, but they didn't really make the moves that they needed to make to take that next step forward. And so um, what, what the Magic really needed to find here was find a coach that's going to buy into what Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are trying to build and then trust that the decision makers will bring in the right people to, to make it all work. Obviously, Clifford's got to make the puzzle pieces work together, but that doesn't necessarily have to happen this first year, uh, obviously. Um, I think that that he believes that, that there, there's a better team in there than what they showed last year. But at the same time, this is a long-term play, and Clifford is a long-term culture builder, and I think that's really what the Magic needed right now. Yeah, very true, but he managed to turn things really quickly around in Charlotte when he went in there. Can he give that similar jolt with the Magic, or do you think it's going to be a longer fix for him with us? Um, you know, it, it's going to take some time. Um, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, as, as much as fans probably hate to hear it after six years out of the playoffs, um, this group needs some time. I mean, Aaron Gordon is still a developing player. Jonathan Isaac looked a lot better uh, uh, in summer league, but he's still got a long way to go. Uh, Muhammad Bamba has a long way to go. Um, and, and that, that is used as a pun. Uh, but, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely going to be a lot of work. Um, that the, the, the periphery players, especially, I mean, I think Orlando this summer, and we'll talk a little bit about free agency at the end of the show, like you said. Um, but, uh, the, the magic this summer worked a little bit more around the periphery, trying to find some young guys that, that kind of fit the culture and the mode of players they're thinking about. They're not looking to add in veterans. And so really, it's going to be now about, okay, what do you do with some of these players that that aren't really going to be part of your future, whoever they might be? Uh, and how do you bring in players that fit your culture and help the players that you do care about grow? And, and I think that's really going to be the big trick, especially for this season, as Steve Clifford manages, yes, trying to win and trying to grow the players that really matter. Yeah, I think that's uh, I'm I'm in agreement with that. Quick fire one: If you were to pick three or four things which you can see him having an impact with right away, what would those be? I think defense is number one. Um, Steve, uh, the the uh, I'll keep referencing the Hornets. The Hornets under Steve Clifford had a top ten defense in three of his four seasons. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he is uh, from Magic fans know him from the Stan Van Gundy years. Those Magic teams while they changed a lot of the league offensively, the reason those Magic teams went to the finals, went deep in the playoffs year after year after year, was because of the defense they built around Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight Howard is a, is a game-changer defensively, one of the best defensive players that we've seen in the NBA over the last de- two decades. Yeah. But the defense they built is a big reason why that those teams were successful and a big reason why the Hornets outperformed their talent in some ways and stayed in games and always had a chance to win games. They may not have won those games all the time because close games can be toss-ups, 
but they always had a chance to win those games, and they're always a tough team to play. And so I think the biggest thing Clifford's going to change about this team, in a way that even Frank Vogel couldn't, couldn't because Vogel had a very specific team. Clifford's coached a lot of different teams, um, which yeah. I think is a very big difference between the two. Um, but the consistency between all of Clifford's teams, no matter who he had, was they were strong defensively. I don't expect the Magic to be top 10 defensively quite yet, but I think they'll get out of the bottom 10, which is where they've been perpetually for the last mm-hmm. six years. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that with the players being drafted, we've we've heard a million times this length, athleticism, that the front office are looking for. I think they've got a culture builder who will be able to take those building blocks and at least make the team tough, a tough nut to crack first off. Um, because there's been too many times that people are just blowing past the magic, getting to the basket and, and raining threes in um, as much as they want. So I think that impact is going to be important. Anything else you would just pick out quickly that you might be able to impact right away? Um, You know... Obviously, the offense is going to, I mean, defense and offense, duh. But, uh, you know, another thing that I think is going to be really big that, that Clifford's going to do is he's going to Im- implement a lot of, lot of discipline. Um, those Hornets teams, again, this I guess all we have to reference, but those Hornets teams were extremely disciplined. Um, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, it's something that uh, Jeff Waltman said on the dais when they introduced Clifford, that, that the Hornets teams do not did not beat themselves. And Clifford, I, I was just listening to an interview he did with Jamie Say of uh, of CBS of the CBS affiliate here in Orlando, um, WKMG, uh, and he said it again. We want to be a team that that you look you look at the look at the schedule and say, oh no, we got to play the Magic. That's that's a hard team to beat. Um, I, I don't know if we'll see that fully realized this year, um, just because of the players on the roster and some of the shortcomings. But I think we'll begin to see the, the beginnings of that, and I think that's really really important. That again. We've talked about it so much over the last six years. You build an identity. You build a specific way that you're trying to play, and you make teams have to beat that style. Um, It's tough to do, but that's something that the Magic really have to do. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yeah, I think the one thing I would point out is his language was a little more choice than yours <laughs> in that interview. This is a PG but... show. I can't, I can't use that word. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. Right, let's talk about the roster. That's enough about Coach Clifford's. Um, start off with the draft and the man that everyone was really, really excited about, which is Mo Bamba. Now, we all know that he has that crazy wingspan that can pretty much fit around the side of a, a school bus. Um, and he's going to have an impact on the defensive end just by virtue of that. And he seems to be quite clever defensively as well, um, especially when he's sort of dragged out towards the perimeter. He's not one of those big players that people just blow past. He does seem to have a bit more about him than that. 
But have you seen enough from him, uh, either in last year or in summer league, or or just on the basis of what you, you've kind of learned about him, that can suggest that he can be the Magic's five for the next decade or so, if all works out? Yeah, I, I think I've definitely seen, en- seen enough of that from him. Um, you know, the length is the easy thing to talk about, but he has really good defensive instincts. Um, you know, uh, we, we talk about a, lo- a lot about this, and I'm sure we'll talk about Jonathan Isaac in a little bit, but... We talk a lot about this from Isaac's rookie year about how his defensive instincts were so good for players so young. And Bamba, I feel like, is the same way. That he, he knows where to be defensively instinctually. Now, he it's different being a post player rather than a perimeter player in doing that because in the post, you got to be able to muscle up a little bit. And, and that's where Bamba's going to really struggle his rookie year. But I was really impressed. There are two things I was really impressed with Bamba during his summer league run. The first was... He's really athletic for a guy his size. Usually you see guys with long arms uh, at his height, and they're kind of lanky and awkward. But, but Bamba runs end-to-end really, really well for a big man. And I think that's going to be really good, especially for this team, um, that, that this, is really, this is really something that Bamba can provide immediately, that, that he'll beat guys down the floor, and you, know, you, just, you just throw it up toward the rim, and, and he's going to be able to finish it. Um, the second thing that I was really impressed with, and, and it's not quite there yet, and it's probably going to be a weakness of his that first year, but um, but I think that Bamba isn't afraid to be physical. And yes, that means he's going to get pushed around a little bit, but I was really impressed that, that he wasn't going to shy away from contact in the post on defense especially. Um, that, I think, is really, really, really good thing that bodes well for his future because he's eventually going to put on some weight and put on some strength and be a tough guy to move on the block with this size. You're going to have a tough time getting around him. Uh, right yeah. now, the best centers are going to just try and overpower him. I mean, Joel Embiid, uh, there's that video that came out from his workouts with, with yeah, Jim Hanlon yeah. and Joel Embiid. And yeah, Joel Embiid dunked him and, and yelled, welcome to the NBA rookie, uh, using other choice words there as well. Um, but <laughs> What really impressed me, I mean, it's one video from a workout, but I saw it against DeAndre Ayton too. What really impressed me is that Embiid dug his shoulder into him and Bamba held his ground for the most part. I mean, he gave a little bit of ground away, but he held his ground for the most part and he didn't shy away from the contact. He still challenged his, I mean, in in the workout video, it was a workout video, so he kind of gave up after that. But against Ayton, I saw Ayton try and drive into him and push him around and shove him around. But Bamba kept coming back to him, and I think that's really a good sign for him overall. The jumper has come a long way since college, too, and and that'll be an interesting part of his game, but I'm not so much worried about that than worried about how he looks defensively this first year. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. When it comes to the the aspect of his physicality, a lot of people have questioned his motor, but I, I don't think that's because of anything to do with his game, really. It's just because of the kind of dude that he is. He's, he's quite relaxed. He seems very at ease with himself for a guy who's gone so high in the draft and, and is so young. He, he does seem to, to be quite grounded and to... It looks like he's going to be able to manage things quite well if he does sort of develop the celebrity and everything that comes with being a big NBA star. He seems to have all of that in hand. Um, and he's he's got his, his guys, his homeboy, if you like, who he has by him and, and manages all of those aspects, who's a bit older than him and, and, and does all of that for him. I think that's that's definitely an important part of the, the Mo Bamba entourage. And, and it's going to have an impact on the, the Mo Bamba experience moving forward. 
what you mentioned about the physicality, yeah, it's very true. Uh, but in this first year, he, I mean, he's got his body's going to expand. You just need to look at the way Jonathan Isaacs bulked up in the summer to see that Bamba's going to be capable of doing that as well. And he's got the instincts, which I think is the key thing. He does seem to just understand the game on that end. You also mentioned the jumper. Uh, for those that don't know, Bamba's been working on adding range with legendary shooting coach Drew Hanlon, as you said. But do you think we will see that work and his offensive game generally translate straight away? Or are we going to have to be a bit more patient, do you think, with that? Uh, you know, I think we'll see it in fits and, and fits and flashes. Um, you know, the, the, the best part to Summer League for me was watching Isaac and Bamba on the floor together. Uh, they were really, really good. Um, they, they, they dominated Summer League, uh, that Summer League competition. And I know it's Summer League, so it won't completely translate to the NBA, but they really dominated when they were on the floor together. And I, I suspect that when Isaac and Bamba share the floor, and I would hope that they share the floor a lot this coming season, uh, maybe not at the beginning, but certainly toward the end, um, I would I would expect that the defensive rating for this team will be much better when they're on the floor together. So I think we'll see that defensive impact. He's just so big that it would be impossible for him not to make a defensive impact immediately. Um, there are again, there are going to be times where he gets pushed off the block. There are going to be times where he, you know, it gets shoved around and gets out muscled and gets out physical. That's that is going to happen um, just because of where he is physically. But I think we'll see a lot of really, really promising moments. And, and those will be the moments that, that we really hold on to. And hopefully as the season goes on, they get more consistent. They happen more frequently. Uh, and you see him get better as he gets more experience. And, and I think that's obviously the most important thing. Yeah. But does the legacy of the center position in Orlando with Dwight Howard and Shaq in the shadows almost, does that add more pressure on Bamba to succeed than if he was a point guard or, or a wing player, say? Um, it, that's an interesting question. And, um, you know, I don't think we can maybe accurately answer that question, um, until the team experiences success until we really see what he can be. I mean, the thing about Dwight and Shaq is they were both number one overall picks that the team won the lottery to, for the right to draft them. Uh, and so in a way they were destined to be stars. Um, they, they needed to be stars. I mean, Dwight lived in Shaq's shadow to the point that there's the Superman thing, there was the finals thing. I mean, it, it, it all felt very much like this is the second coming of Shaq uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but, I mean, I, I would say this. Um, early in Dwight's career, yeah, people said, oh, the Magic finally have their center, their first real center since Shaq. But in Dwight's rookie year, Dwight's second year, no one made the Shaq comparisons. No one said, oh, he is continuing Shaq's legacy. That really didn't start until the Magic won their first playoff series. And now all of a sudden, the Magic had their first playoff series win since Shaq. Now all of a sudden, the Magic were title contenders. And that's when all the Shaq comparisons started coming in. Shaq didn't talk about Dwight Howard really until Dwight was in All-Star Games, until he was a relevant player on the national stage. That's not going to happen. So for Mo Bamba, those comparisons... They're not going to happen. They're not really going to come until we start seeing him play like those players and play at their level until he gets into those conversations and we can really start saying, okay, this is a guy that the Magic can really build around. Right now, it's all potential, and you don't want to let expectations run too far, but eventually, yeah, you want him to get into those conversations. Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. 
Uh, need to mention the other two draft picks, of course. Do you expect to see Melvin Frazier or Justin Jackson feature much, or are we going to see them mainly sort of red-shirted projects developing in the G League, or do you think there will be minutes there for them? I think I think Melvin Frazier might get a few minutes. Uh, it's it's going to be up and down. Him and Wessel Wundu are going to battle for minutes at the three and the four, or the two and the three, sorry. Uh, and and they, they're really similar players in that they're both strong defenders that, that have developing offensive games. Um, I, I think the Magic really, really like Frazier, so I think they'll find a way to get him on the court. He'll spend some time in the G League, of course, uh, uh, and, and get wherever experience he can get. Um, but, you know, we saw Iwundu dominate the G League, uh, in, in a, and I think we'll see Frazier dominate the G League, or play well in the G League in a similar way um, before he kind of establishes himself on the main roster. Justin Jackson, I get the feeling because the Magic haven't signed him yet that he's going to get a redshirt year. That that they're essentially going to say you're going to spend the entire year in Lakeland, get healthy, get stronger, get better. Uh, we'll sign you to a contract next season. Um, the Magic honestly could probably use Justin Jackson if he can play the four if he's healthy. Um, Jackson says he's healthy. I think it was odd that he didn't play in summer league at all. Um, but Orlando obviously is taking things slowly with him and with a lot of their players. Uh, and so I think it, fe- it feels like they believe his development is best going to the G League, getting some experience there, and then coming back to the main roster, coming back for Summer League next year. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, hopefully that's going to benefit them because we've seen, I mean, if you look at the the sort of recent rookies of the year, then, I mean, having a red shirt year, not saying that he's on that sort of level, but having a red shirt year can, can really work well for a player. So, yeah, I mean, we've touched on Summer League a few times. It was really good fun this year with all of the teams there. And definitely a few things to be excited about for the Magic. Getting a first glimpse at Bamba, for example, uh, was was really cool. And I think a lot of people were excited just to, to see him there and, and representing the team. But the main stick out for me, and I think for, for everybody else probably, was just witnessing the development of Jonathan Isaac. He's bulked up quite majorly noticeably bigger guy and his offensive game which was always a I mean there's a handle there there's a shot there from the corner but it all felt a bit sort of rudimentary a bit inconsistent still inconsistent of course but summer leagues for trying things out and 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 expressing yourself a bit maybe and he did that and there's a neat turnaround jumper there and his sheer length when he shoots makes his shot such a handy weapon. We saw last year in flashes when he when he was fit and when he made it onto the court the impact that he can have defensively. Um, and I think that was something you, you said yourself that that was really noticeable that that was totally translating to the NBA. But offensively. We've seen a few articles floating around that have said that he could be the answer offensively in years to come in recent weeks. Um, can we expect to see that offense develop further until he becomes one of the, the main options for the team, even this year? Uh, you know, I, I think that there will be nights. I, I, I'm high on Jonathan Isaac, and, and I really like this guy's future. 
But uh, there will be nights where I think this year where Jonathan Isaac looks like he is going to be the next um, next big player that that he is truly the future of this team. Um, there are going to be nights I think I think he will have a thirty point night at some point this year where the shots just going for him that that he's just in the ryth- in the rhythm of the game and, and just scoring a lot of points. I think there are going to be a lot of nights where he scores like five six points, shoots three of eight. It doesn't look like he's involved. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit of a trip with Jonathan Isaac. I think we're still going to see a lot of inconsistency on the offensive end. Um, it'll look better. The, the flashes will be greater. But this kid is so young that, that I think, and, and I think his offensive game is still developing. I think he's still kind of growing into his body and, and still putting on the strength, obviously, that we'll see the flashes, but we won't see the completed picture quite yet. I'm not ready to say Isaac will be the leading scorer. And, and the fact of the matter, too, is Evan Fournier needs the ball. Nikola Vucevic needs the ball. Aaron Gordon needs the ball. There are going to be a lot of guys that'll, that are going to kind of be taking shots away from each other in a lot of ways. Uh, and so Isaac's going to have to fight for his offense in some ways. And again, some nights I think the ball is just going to naturally find him and he's, he's going to get a lot of shots and, and make him or miss him. And then some nights I think there are going to be nights where he's not really as involved as you'd like him to be. And, and that's all okay at this point. I think, I think that the idea here is that the Magic are still a work in progress. They still are looking to develop guys that, 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 that they're not all completely there, that Yes, winning is important, but it may not be the most important thing quite yet. And so um, Isaac's going to have good nights. He's going to have bad nights. He's still a very, very young player. What's going to what's got to be consistent from Isaac this year is he's got to be the best defensive player on the team. And I think that I think he's already there. To be honest, I think he is the best defensive player on the team. And that's gonna, what's going to really set this team's culture is what the team does defensively. The offense will come to whoever it comes to. And the Magic have a lot of options offensively. They have a lot of guys who can drop 30 on any given night. Um, Gordon has shown that. Vucevic has shown that. Uh, Fournier has shown that. Uh, Simmons can do it on occasion. Uh, Ross, can, Ross can go off. There, there are a lot of offensive options on this team. It's just figuring out what you can get from, uh, every, from, from guys every single night is, is the big question. And, and that's going to be the consistency issue that I think the Magic are going to have a problem with. Yeah, fair point. The front court potential defensively especially is pretty massive all three players are capable defenders all with varying degrees as we've just discussed of developing offensive games but big question for me is is there a danger of a log jam at the four because that seems to be both Isaac and Gordon's favorite position so out of those two I mean do you think you can make it fit with both of them playing in either of the forward spots and if that's the case who do you see playing at the 3 and who do you see at the 4 because playing at the 3 didn't really work out too well for Gordon last time Yeah I I I think that the distinction between the 3 and the 4 um is quickly going away uh mm. and and I would say this I'm probably one of the few people that didn't think that the Aaron Gordon the 3 move was a disaster I thought he showed a lot of really good things at small forward. Um, the problem was the Magic had Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo or Nikola Vucevic at the four and the five. They didn't have versatile guys who could easily switch uh, mm-hmm. from the perimeter to the post. Like Aaron Gordon had to play the three. He didn't have a choice to play the four because Serge Ibaka was there. And honestly, uh, when the Magic got Serge Ibaka initially, I was like, oh, he's going to play the five. Gordon will play the four. And you can just kind of have this versatile, you know, free-flowing. I I've always said this about Aaron Gordon. Um, his best position offensively is the four. His best position defensively is probably the three because he's such a gifted 
perimeter player, a perimeter defender. Uh, and I think last year, you know, Gordon admitted his defense slipped a little bit last year. Last year, I don't think we got to see Aaron Gordon at his best defensively because he played the four so much. And so, personally, I'm convinced that the Isaac Gordon pairing is absolutely perfect. That the two players can switch and do whatever and, and play whatever position they need to play, whatever position that the matchup calls for, that the defenders call for, whatever they need to do. Um, they can play both those positions and switch fluidly between them, and that's going to make both successful. Um, I think that, again, it doesn't matter what you label their positions. I mean, Gordon, can you could say Gordon's the starting three he's the start, or the starting four. You can say Isaac's the starting three or the starting four. They can both play both positions and switch as needed, and that's what's going to make that pairing so killer, and, and that's why I think it can work better than it did the last time the Magic tried to play Gordon on the perimeter. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I, di- I didn't actually sort of consider it in that kind of bracket. It's an interesting way to frame it. And yeah, absolutely. With the way the league's going, such an emphasis on switch defence now, I think it's good that both of those players have it in them to defend on the perimeter and in the post. But also that fact that both of them are capable of sort of taking different positions in the court and the offensive sets. I think what that will do as well, it'll keep defences guessing which is going to be something that the Magic can definitely utilise to their advantage in years to come. So, yeah, no, that really interesting point there, mate. Um, let's move on a bit then to... Uh, there's been quite a bit of activity, let's say, uh, by the front office in the trade market already this summer. It's not been as quiet as, as some. Um, getting rid of the Chalice Biombo contracts uh, was was one of the big moves, albeit taking on Timothy Mozgov in return. But was it worth sending two second round picks to Charlotte if the team ended up with Mozgov anyway? Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, how you value second round picks is really intriguing. Um, I, I don't recall what the protections are on those second round picks. Um, but they, they're not like going to be high-level second-round picks. We're not talking about picks in the 30s here. I think we're talking about picks that would end up in the 40s and 50s. And so are those picks really valuable? Are you really losing something with those picks? Sure, you're losing an opportunity at, at, at a player, but the odds of getting a, a good player in the 40s or 50s is, is very, very small. It's extremely small. It's extremely rare. There's maybe one per year or one every two years or one and a half every two years that yeah. make it. Um, and so... I don't think you're losing a lot. What the Magic did in that Jerry and Grant deal was they had Bismack Biombo, who they weren't going to play um, because they have Mohamed Bamba now to back up at center. And, and I think they really like Ken Birch still. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't have a use for Bismack Biombo. So they traded him, took back a similar player and a similar salary. So not much you can do there. And got a young player, an interesting young player who can fill your point guard need a little bit. Is Jerry and Grant the answer point guard? Probably not. But he's an interesting young player and the kind of risk the Magic should be taking at this point. And so, essentially, you traded out a player you weren't going to use and got back a player you will use. That's a good trade at the end of the day, I think. And yeah, maybe they gave up a little bit too much in those two second-round picks, but that feels like a, a good move for the team, or at least an interesting move, the kind of risk that they should be taking at this point. Because if it doesn't work out, he's a free agent this summer and you let him walk anyway. 
Yeah, and I think it maybe sort of compensates somewhat for the fact that the the team didn't actually trade a point of of any sort of description in the draft for for various reasons that we've read about, and there's no point in going over it because it's been and it's done. Um, Grant is an in- interesting player, and he will be a handy option, I think, for the Magic uh, as a as a potential backup. But how do you see his role? I mean, do you think he's definitely going to be behind Augustine uh, in terms of the, the the preference for the the starting slot, or do you think there's the potential that he can maybe sort of grow into being the starter this season? Um, I think that the the I think TJ Augustine will start as a starter. Um, I think they they, they like his consistency. They like uh, that that he can uh, that that he will just kind of keep the boat steady, and I think that's really really important. Um, it, it's certainly very possible and certainly very, um, I think it's very possible that Jerry and Grant can play his way into the starting role, but, but he's got to, he's got to play at a higher level than he's played at. Um, you know, he, he had some good things in Chicago. He did some good things with the Bulls. Um, but definitely not a, uh, definitely not there yet. Um, he, he'd have to play much better than he's played throughout his career so far. Um, but I think everything, except for Isaac and, and Bamba, who I think will start on the bench to start the season. Um, other than Isaac and Bamba, I think everything is up in the air. Um, I, I really think that the Magic want competition within their group. They want everyone to make each other better. They're not going to gift roles to anyone. I mean, even I mean, I, I think Isaac should start to start the season. I think he's played well enough. I think he makes that big of an impact. But it honestly wouldn't surprise me if the Magic start Jonathan Simmons at, at, at the three if he's healthy. Um, to start the season and that they bring Isaac along slowly into, uh, when he's ready to really start and when, when it makes sense for the team. Um, having said that, I think it makes sense for the team now. I think Isaac should be penciled in the starter, but it all goes to say that no one is guaranteed anything on this roster. There should be enough competition at every position that how you play in practice, how you play in camp, how you play in games will determine your future playing time. And, and I think that's that's absolutely the case with a lot of these guys. Yeah, uh, what that will help to do as well, it'll help to ensure that the hunger's there, which is positive for culture, positive for player development, and there's a lot of other things that fall into place just by virtue of having that. Of course, not having stars means that we're not going to win as many games, but if you're looking for the positive byproduct of that, it's all the stuff that we sort of mentioned there. Um, other roster moves after having Dakari Johnson for what seemed like five minutes, the front office went and turned that alongside the draft rights to 2015 second rounder Tyler Harvey into Jarrell Martin, which I would also say is a worthwhile move just for the reasons that you said there. It allows a bit of competition at the four. Um, and that's obviously going on the premise that they probably will at some point, even if not right at the beginning of the season, um, they'll try to fit both Gordon and Isaac into the starting five. Then Jarrell Martin, he's been about for a little while. He sort of knows the league a little. Um, a decent option there. Um, an upgrade in Maurice Spates or not? Um, depends on what you mean by upgrade. Um, not going to be the not going to be the floor spacer that that Spates was. Um, but a better defender. Then again, you know, I, I might be a better <laughs> defender than Maurice Spates, um, and I'm not very good at defense. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, he's a younger player. Um, there's potential for him to grow. He had a, not, I wouldn't say a breakout season last year, but he finally got some real playing time last year, uh, and played okay, you know, did some, did some nice things. Um, this will be another opportunity for him. Uh, we don't really know what he is. And, and obviously he's playing for a contract now, so we'll see 
uh, what happens. Uh, it, it's 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 t- it's really tough to say. It, you know, Martin Martin's a body. Um, you know, for, for lack of a better term, a, a decent defender, not a great defender, not much of a shooter, not much of a, a player on the ball. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the opportunity. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, other moves, Rodney Purvis has moved on, but Isaiah Briscoe has come in. He was an interesting pickup for me, a four-year contract, and there's a nice piece on the site by Zach Goodall about the versatility that he showed in the summer league. Um, his year in Europe certainly seems to have enhanced his game. I think he went undrafted last year. Uh, particularly shooting um, has come on a little bit. And he does seem to offer a few different things. He's not one of these kind of you can pigeonhole him in terms of what he offers. Um, with Grant already picked up, what what do you think the thinking was for Hammond and Weltman with the acquisition of Briscoe? Uh, you know, I think they, they saw a guy who, again, lo- length is the operative word for everything that the Magic do right now. Um, but they saw a guy who's, who's got a little bit of length, has improved his point guard skills, um, good defender. Uh, I think that's really what they saw in him. They saw a young guy that that fits kind of their profile for what they want out of that position. Versatility, defensive versatility especially, a growing offensive game, a growing game overall. Uh, and I think that's really what they were what they were aiming for, what they were focusing on here uh, as they went out and looked for some bargain players. I mean, Briscoe's on a four-year deal that's virtually a minimum deal that gives the Magic all the control. Um, that, that's the price that he paid to get back into the NBA. Uh, and, you know, he showed that he has a little bit of the creation uh, and driving ability that this Magic team really lacks right now. Um, I, I, was, I would say that, um, that he was really, really, really intriguing. Um, really intriguing uh, throughout the Summer League. I, I didn't really know what to think of him. Um, yeah. But he showed, like, like, like Zach wrote on, on Orlando Magic Daily... He showed that versatility and that intrigue uh, that could make him uh, could make him stick in this league. That's another. There's a lot of these moves that you could look at, and you would say, "Do you know what? That was worth a punt." And even if they don't come off, if players sort of like end their contracts and go, I mean, it might be that Jarrell Martin turns into a useful bench player for us moving forward. If his game develops a bit this year and he seems to fit the system, the culture, whatever, um, then that could happen. That's me just picking one of the names. But Briscoe is another one that comes into that bracket. If there's an injury that maybe gives him an opportunity to get a few more minutes, he might show enough that Magic think, do you know what? He's worth sticking with. We can we can work with this guy and help bring him on. And there, as you say, there might be a place for him in the league. And there's a few of the moves that you, you can kind of see that the, the front office are basically giving themselves a few options and, and not trying to say, right, do you know what? We're going to go all in in this guy. If you look at Rob Hennigan, what he did with the backer, um, then I think this front office are really, really wary of doing the same sort of thing where they go all in too quickly. However, given that Isaiah Thomas was available for a minimum, pretty much, and that the Magic had the full mid-level available, I think the front office could regret not at least giving him an offer to come to the, the, the ball club because that would have showed ambition and he filled so many holes for the Magic. Playmaking, he can stretch the floor, he's an older and a vocal presence in the locker room to help mentor some of these young guys. Something as well that a number of his older teams have sung his praises for in the past. I think that could have been something really important. Even if you take it away from what he could have provided on the court, that could have been very valuable. 
with so many agents available next summer, Thomas could have helped give the franchise that real injection and provided the kick to maybe see the magic squeak into the postseason. And that, again, would in turn have made the franchise more attractive to these players that are going to be available next summer. Now, I get that the front office want to remain patient and that they do think it's too early to go all in before they're ready. But surely that one was worth a punt as well. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. I think that the magic probably, you know, I, I say this all the time. Uh, there are a lot of talented players in the NBA. Um, and I think that a lot of people think that players on bad teams are bad. And I, I don't think that's true. Evan Fournier is a good player. Nikola Vujovic is a good player. They, they have roles in this league. The problem is bad teams are bad because they ask players to play roles they're not capable of playing. They ask players to do more than they're capable of. Not every player is going to be an all-star in this league. And so when you ask a player who isn't an all-star, who doesn't have that ability to play like an all-star, they're going to struggle. And I think that's the biggest problem that the Magic face right now is Evan Fournier is a, is a nice player. I really like him. He probably should be your third option, fourth option on a, on a good team. Problem is the Magic need him to be their first or second option. And so uh, the thing that I really like, the thing that I really thought was was good would have been good about the Isaiah Thomas deal, was, yeah, he probably takes shots away from some guys that you want to have shots, but that's exactly what you need right now. You need a guy that's going to create and and make other players better to ease the pressure off other players, and I think that is exactly what Isaiah Thomas would have done, and why I thought that would have been a good decision to bring him in. Now, we don't know what the deal is with his hip, whether he's actually healthy. Um, and honestly, he doesn't fit the profile for what the Magic wants. So if he works out, he's not really the direction you want to go. But then if he works out, of course, he works out and, and, and you should want to pay him. Um, I think that it would have been a no-lose situation for Orlando. Um, if it doesn't work out, what did you really lose? You're going back to the draft anyway. If it does work out, hey, your team's experiencing winning, which is a good thing. Um, I think that... I think that the Magic did miss an opportunity here if there was actually an opportunity to sign him. Obviously, I think the Magic did kick the tires with him. They did. I think they did talk to him. I think I did read that they had conversations with him. They just never got to money. Um, it was clear that he was only signing a minimum deal. If he was only offered minimum deals, I can't blame him for trying Denver. That's a better winning situation than Orlando is. Although he would have got more minutes with Orlando, he would have had a chance to really show that he was back to the guy that captured the imagination of the entire league when, when when he did all of that stuff with the Celtics in the playoffs uh, last year and obviously the situation with his sister. It was such a, a romantic story. And there's also the fact that you just feel sorry that the guy who's transcended so many hurdles to go from last pick in the draft, five foot nine, everyone's like, yeah, he's never going to have a chance in this league. And the guy's been an all-star, you know? He's been um, second team all-NBA even. So uh, there's no doubt that this guy deserves his big payday. And just as a romantic at the end of the day, I would have loved to have seen that with the magic. But where I think he could really have helped is, how many times did we hear Frank Vogel say, Aaron Gordon is at his best when he plays within the flow of the offense? With Isaiah Thomas there, I think that flow could have been quite something to experience. And that's why I would have liked to have seen the move happen, potentially. But as you say, the Magic did kick the tyres on it. They checked the move out. 
and for whatever reason it's it's, it's not come to fruition but no point on on the whys and wherefores and could have beens we we deal with what we can deal with i suppose um and i suppose i'm, I'm kind of getting towards the the end of most of the stuff that i wanted to ask you now just want to maybe mop up a cover uh, a couple rather of other pieces of business um let's start asking about uh, and this is one that we've done before but we might as well do it again um future of vooch and terence ross let's throw him in as well they're both going to be really useful pieces potentially to move at the trade deadline if they can maintain or even enhance their production why do you think we've not seen them traded yet or do you think the front office is still maybe seeing ross potentially being part of the future of the ball club um, I mean, where where do you see the situation going for those two? You know, I think in Ross's case, I think that um, everyone wants to see him healthy first. Um, they got to see him on the court playing. Uh, he, he played two games to end the season after the long injury last year. Um, I, I think I think no one really wants to touch him quite. I mean, everyone knows what he can do, but no one wants to touch him until they see him play. And so, you know, I think the Magic do view him as a valuable player. He's, he's one of the better defenders on the team. Um, but I, I think that... Um, I think that 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 other teams don't want to give up anything of value to for him until they see him play. Um, with Vooch, I, I just don't think there's much of a market for him yet, uh, unless you're just trying to straight dump him. Uh, teams don't typically think about taking on expiring salaries until the trade deadline. Uh, and so unless the Magic were willing to take back a bad contract, like a Nicholas Batum or a Luol Deng, or probably the two that, 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 team, that the Lakers and Hornets are trying to trade the most, uh, unless you're willing to take on those contracts, there really isn't much to do. I mean, the Magic traded Bismack Biombo to take on another bad contract in Timothy Mozgov. They got Jerry and Grant for their trouble, but you know, you, you got to be willing to, to take something back to give up something. And so I think the Magic aren't ready to, to give the reins to Muhammad Bamba right off the bat. I think that they they still see... Uh, Nikola Vucevic as at least a good stopgap starter. And so if they don't think Bamba's ready to start, why not go in with kind of old reliable and Nikola Vucevic? You know what you're going to get from him. You know what he's capable of doing. And yeah, he's gotten better every year. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think we can deny that. He, he may not be what you need, but he's not a bad player. So his trade his trade value is likely to increase as you get closer to the deadline. So unless there's a deal that you really like out there, why force a move? Why do something that doesn't make sense? And so I think that's the posture the Magic took this summer and why that they, why they've kept Vucevic around. So that's where a bit of the, the the kind of conflict comes in a little bit. You've got Vucevic there. You want to ensure that he's showing enough production to to maintain and enhance that trade value moving towards the deadline. But you also want to make sure you give Bamba a chance to showcase himself. Um T. Ross is a sort of similar situation in a way, but if he can have a fit year where he's scoring quite well for the Magic, then if the team's not in with a shout of the playoffs, which I think both of us would probably concur, not likely to be this season, um, he would be another one that you would think at the trade deadline, surely move him to see if we can get some interesting pieces or picks or something like that. I mean, would you expect there to be a market for both of them as the trade deadline looms? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what this team does at the trade deadline. Um, I think that Orlando wants to be active. Um, I think that they're going to be actively seeking deals because 
this is still largely a roster that Rob Hennigan constructed. This isn't a John Hammond, Jeff Weltman production yet. And slowly but surely, they want to put their imprint on this team. It's going to happen eventually, um, even if it takes letting some contracts expire. Uh, so I think Orlando is going to be heavily involved in trade rumors. I think Fournier will probably pop up in some rumors as well because he's a valuable player. Um, I think Orlando, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this a little bit, but I think Orlando is going to take the posture that they're not looking to spend in 2019. So they're willing to take on some short-term money because they're not ready for free agency yet. Um, eventually they'll be ready, but I don't think they're ready for 2019. I think they're targeting 2020 or 2021 as a year when they'll be ready to invest a little bit more in free agency. Um, so I, I think that Orlando is in an interesting position where they have expiring contracts and they're willing to take on some salary. You've just got to give them something to make that worth their while. And those are the players that they'll really be, be hunting for and seeking as, as the trade deadline pops up. Could that situation change, though? I mean, you mentioned Fournier, a good player, uh, potentially a decent trade piece, the difference being not on an expiring contract, but he's actually contracted through to 2021, um, $17 million every year. So, I mean, do you think he's going to be someone that if he can sort of score quite well, maybe buy into the, the, the defensive side of things that Clifford's going to try and implement, do you think he could be a big part of the Magic's future? Or do you think with the fact that he's just from the previous regime, that it's, he's always going to be a piece that Hammond and Weltman will probably look to move? No, I think I think any player can prove themselves worthy of sticking around. I mean, the, the bottom line is winning changes everything. If the ma- I mean, the Magic got out to that 8-4 start and all of a sudden we were talking like, oh, we, we have something here. Um, a lot of us, I think, kind of knew that that was going to fade, but... You know, let's say the Magic are sitting at 500, I mean, 500 probably isn't the goal, but let's say the Magic are, you know, five games over 500 or, or a little bit over 500 at the midpoint of the season and sitting in sixth or fifth place in the Eastern Conference. All of a sudden, your strategy to at the trade deadline changes. Now you're not a, a seller. You might be a buyer. You might be saying, okay, we have something here. Let's boost what we've got. Or, you know, you might be saying, you know, we don't want to disrupt, you know, it's been a long time since this franchise has been in the playoffs. Let's not disrupt what we have. Yeah, we may take a little bit of a long-term hit by not making these trades, but let's let this play out. Let's see how far we can get and then decide what to do further on down the road. Winning changes everything. Um, Evan Fournier could very well, you know, he's probably the best shooter on the team. It's hard to get rid of that. It's, it's hard to say you know, we, got, we, we, we have to trade him. And, you know, for that, yeah. on that point, I don't think the Magic are in any rush to do so. He's a fine player. He's a perfectly use, useful, serviceable player. Um, you may not be what the Magic ultimately want down the road, but they've got time to make that decision. They don't have to make that decision today. Um, you know, when it comes to the trade deadline, yeah, they got to make a decision on Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross. But Evan Fournier's got three years left on his deal. There's no rush to do anything with him. Yeah, no, nah, that's that, that's fair enough. Um, just a, a, another couple of players I want to get in there before we go. Jonathan Simmons, probably for me, more of a sixth man role for him this year. Um, maybe sort of driving the second unit, given especially the prevalence of wing players that the Magic have on their roster. Would you concur with that? Or, or I mean, I know you mentioned that he could maybe start the season um, as a starter at the three, perhaps. But if we're going on the basis that they're probably going to go with Fournier and then, then the Isaac Gordon tandem, um, do you think that will maybe sort of move Simmons more towards the second unit. Yeah, I think Simmons is probably, I mean, we. I think we all thought this during the season. He's probably best as a sixth man. Um, you know, he doesn't have the shooting. He wants the ball in his hands a little bit too much. 
Um, he kind of fits that sixth man role really, really, really well. Yeah. Um, good energy guy defensively. Um, that kind of is a good way to kind of bottle up his energy and, and, and direct it in a positive way. Um, so I think that is ultimately, um, I, I think that's ultimately the direction that, that the Magic want him to go and where they want to place him. Um, it's it's a contract year for Jonathan Simmons too, to, to be honest. he's He's got a non-guaranteed third year. Um, that could make him valuable on the trade market. Um, the Magic could still see some value in him. It's a relatively, uh, relatively, uh, a relatively cheap contract that he's on um, for the production that he gives you. Uh, so, you know, I think the Magic are open to just about anything with Jonathan Simmons. If he ends up starting, that's okay. He can fill that role. He's probably best as a sixth man. If he ends up doing that, that's fine too. If the Magic end up trading him, they can probably get some value for him. And so I think uh, Simmons mm. is really, really interesting. Um, it is worth noting, we haven't talked, I haven't talked about it enough, um, but... Uh, but he's coming off for a surgery. He had a, he had surgery shortly after the season ended. Um, I haven't seen photos of him in a while, but he was in a cast uh, for for a little while this off season. Um, so he hasn't quite had the opportunity to get out on the floor. Um, a big part of his story last year was playing so many minutes, so many more minutes than he's played before. He definitely got tired and got winded as the season went on. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he responds this year, uh, how he takes to again having a major role on a team for the second straight year. And so it'll be interesting. Right. Second last question from me. I just want to talk a bit about Wesley Wundu. Wesley Wundu is one of those players that I think can really make a place for himself in this league. And given that the culture seems to be improving at the team, uh, there does seem to be more of an emphasis on player development now, or at least a more successful one. What do you think he really needs to do to, to push himself into the bracket for minutes, especially with so much competition at his position? What does he need to do to make himself indispensable, at least as a role player? He's got to be able to hit three-pointers. Um, that, that's that's the bottom line with Wes, with Wes Oundu. That's, that's always been the bottom line with, with Wes Oundu. He's, three and- yeah, he's, he's, got to, he's got to hit three-pointers. Um, that's, that's really why he slipped to the second round because of his strong defense. And, and he's actually decent at getting the basket. Um, but if he hits three pointers, his game completely changes. Uh, and, and that's really, that's really what he needs to do. And I think what he really struggled with in summer league, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Which obviously that's not a, a particularly encouraging sign because what we want to see is if he develops that, then it'll space the floor both for other players and it'll allow him more sort of routes to to do what he does seem to be more comfortable at, which is is driving a bit. Um, last one then, what do you see the starting five being on opening night? And then how do you see that evolving over the season if everyone can stay fairly healthy in an ideal world? Well, in, in, in my everyone is healthy on opening night starting lineup, I have DJ Augustin at point guard. I have... Evan Fournier at shooting guard, Jonathan Isaac at small forward, Aaron Gordon at power forward, and yes, I, I still have Nikola Vucevic penciled in as the starter at center. By the end of the year, I would hope that Mohamed Bamba has passed Vucevic um, uh, and become the starting center. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Jerrion Grant snuck past DJ Augustin. I think that'll be point guard by committee for a lot of the year. Um, it'll be a lot of ups and downs, but um, you know, it, it, obviously if you're not competitive anymore, then you know, maybe Fournier sitting down, Augustin certainly sitting down, um, but it, it, it's, you know, I think there is a very clear top five. I think the bench is the biggest concern for this team entering the season, aside from the point guard questions and the shooting questions. Um, this team doesn't have a lot of depth. Things are going to have to go really, really, if the Magic intend on making the playoffs, they're going to need a lot of guys to play better than they did last year to continue showing improvement. 
and they're going to need a lot of health. They're going to need the right. They're going to need guys to stay healthy all year if they're going to if they're going to make a serious playoff push. Um, it, it it I think the margin for error for this team is still very very small, even with Steve Clifford coming in and establishing a culture. Um, this is going to be a development year. This is going to be another year where we watch for growth uh, rather than necessarily wins. Um, if you win, you win, um, and winning is good. But um, I, I'm not sure that's going to be the primary goal for the season. Yeah, totally agree. Development year, but do you know the the good positive thing is? I think after so long with empty rhetoric and false promises and unfulfilled potential and mistakes made, I finally feel that the development we're going to see, I think there's potential to develop there. And I think the right sort of things are falling into place for that development to actually happen. Yeah, and it's it's it's. I think that the direction that Weltman and Hammond are taking the team is a good one. I think that they're showing the patience that a lot of fans, you know, I I I agree with fans that it's been forever. It's it's hard to be patient. Um, but as Jeff Weltman says, this is year two for me. Like I know you've been through six years of this. This is year two for me. Um, I cannot rush what's going on here. We've got to be very patient and we've got to make the right decisions. And and I think that's that's a very good thing for the Magic long term. Yeah, eventually they've got to turn the corner, but they're not there yet. And, and I think it'd be foolish to, to think that they are. Yeah, totally agree. Anything you want to ask me before we go? Um, Not not really. Um, I, I want to thank you again for, for your questions and for kind of directing this conversation. I think that um, I think that it's that that hopefully our audience here on Lockdown Magic uh, got a little bit of a you know different perspective or a different way of looking at things, a little more focused way perhaps, and than what I sometimes do when I'm rambling on on, on my regular shows. And and uh, you know why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on, on Twitter if they if they have questions they want you to ask me or or uh, questions that that they want you to answer. Yeah, I'm I'm always open to that, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Hodgy the Hack, so that's H O D G E Y. The Hack, which is T-H-E-H-A-C-K. And I'm sure we can do something where we sort of retweet each other a few times and and then they'll be able to find me that way as well. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll definitely definitely post your your Twitter account out there. But now comes my my spiel and my Twitter account. So you can, of course, subscribe to Locked On Magic on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can subscribe to the po- – uh, I already said that part. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Coming up tomorrow on the site, we'll have a look at the Magic depth chart now that some roster moves have been made. I've had some people ask me about that, so we'll take a look at that on the website coming up today. And of course, your Line of Magic deal, daily mailbag is open. You can not only send your questions to Stuart, you can send your questions to me at omagicdaily on Twitter or by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank Stuart again for coming on and asking some questions, giving us some good discussion points. But for now, for Stuart, for Philip Rossman-Reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, thank you all again for listening. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.